Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP4. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audiblepodcast.com slash twip. This Week on Twip. Dropbox launches Carousel, Canon undercutting professional photographers with discount photography sessions, LensBaby turns to Kickstarter to fund a new lens for the iPhone, plus listener Q&A and our picks of the week. It's Wednesday, April 16th, 2014, and this is Twitch. Welcome back to TWIP. Frederick Van Johnson is on assignment, so I'm your guest host, Joseph Lanashke, and this is episode 356 of This Week in Photo. Joining me to discuss the topics of the week and more are Craig Colvin and Darlene Hildebrand. Welcome back to you both. What's everyone been up to lately? Uh, hi. Well, glad to be here. Um, so I've, I've done a lot of uh, photography-related events recently, uh, a lot more than I normally do. I just got back from the Houston Photo Festival, which is a portfolio review session over four days. Had a lot of people look at my work. And I'm heading out to the Palm Springs Photo Festival uh, next week uh, and planning to take a few days to photograph the Salton Sea and Joshua Tree. Nice. Very nice. I haven't been out to the Palm Springs Photo Festival yet. One of these years I'm going to have to make it down there. Yeah, this is my first time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard really good things. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on the show shortly after that, and you can tell us all about it. There we go. Darlene, what about you? Oh, I've been all over the place. Um, <clears throat> since last I was on TWIP, I think, I think last time I was in between two photo tours, so I've come back from Nicaragua. I took 12 people down to Nicaragua, my first ever photo tour there. Uh, we had such an amazing time. Uh, some of our participants said it was life-changing, believe it or not. We, um, we worked with some of the locals. We did things like painting a school, uh, which was amazing. We served lunch at a school. We served lunch and played with the kids that live at... People live and work in the garbage dump, which is crazy also. Um, we slid down a volcano on a board. Uh, we photographed the fishermen at dawn. That was amazing. You know, it's like every day at 5 a.m., the sun comes up and the fishermen are coming in and it's just this amazing light on the beach and um, just getting to know the locals was was great. We stayed in a little fishing village so away from everywhere and gave us a really perspective on you know how poor the country is and it was a wake-up call for some some of the people in our group because we realize we have so much and they have nothing and yet they're happy they're all happy all the time. Yeah. And uh, so I personally, we have sponsored a child to help a child stay in school. And I know one of the other people in our group did as well. And we're going back in November, um, hopefully with another 12 people, to do it again and also watch the baby sea turtles. Wow, that sounds awesome. I know exactly what you mean about that life-changing when you see people that have so little and yet they feel so great. They're just happy. It is remarkable. I remember I did a uh, did a shoot in Kenya out in the bush for a... Uh, 
for an organization, a, a fundraising organization, went out to do some pictures, and it was remarkable, the people out there and the lifestyle, and as you said, extreme poverty. I mean, less than nothing, yet mm -hmm. happy. It's, uh, yeah, it does make you change your perspective a bit, doesn't it? Well, these people, I mean, the fishing village itself, they live in these these shacks that are um, corrugated tin leaning up against each other with, you know, garbage bags wrapped around the outside, palm leaves on the roof, and they sleep in hammocks, they have dirt floor, there's no running water inside the house. Some of them have electricity, and that's probably because they spliced it from the power pole. Um, they cause many fires that way, and people die of electrocution, you know, consequently. So that's not a good thing. But yeah, they just, they seem to be happy. Um, you know, we brought school supplies down and gave them away at one of the schools. And um, I gave some of the neighbors that were in where near we stayed in the lodge, you know, toothbrushes and toothpaste because one of the guys had brought that from his dentist. And they're just so grateful for anything you can do to help them. They're so willing to be helped and then grateful for anything you can do. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. So you said you're going back in November. Is there, yeah. uh, this is going to be another workshop? People will be able to another, sign up for this? Another tour. Yeah, it's two weeks. Absolutely. And um, so two weeks and we're just building it right now. We have the dates on the website already. It's November 2nd to 15th. Um, I put a link in the show notes for you if you want to just link to the main tour page. Yeah, we'll they definitely put also, that in the show notes. But go ahead and read it off so people know where to go who are just listening. Di digitalphotomentor.com slash photo tours. And that'll just take them to the main tour page and they can see the options because we also do a, a Cuba tour, which is going to happen again in January of next year. So um, more sort of, uh, I mean, for non-Americans, it's a little bit tricky for Americans to get to, but not impossible. And we did that one last January. It was amazing as well. So we're doing them both again. Awesome. Sounds great. All righty. Well, before we jump into the show, we'd like to thank our first sponsor for this episode of TWIP, Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP4. And the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. Well, you can start a free trial, you don't need a credit card, and you can start building your website today. Then, if you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure to use the offer code TWIP4 to get 10% off and to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Remember, Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, let's get on with the story. So our first story is about Dropbox, something coming from Dropbox called Carousel. So basically, last week, Dropbox rolled out this whole new service and slash iPhone app called Carousel. And the whole idea here is that it stores basically all of your photos, everything that you put into Dropbox, everything that's on your iPhone or other iOS device, and uh, gives you an easy way to browse through those images, share them, and so on. So it's a, a pretty interesting app, but let's first uh, find out from you guys. First off, if either of you had a chance to download it and give it a try yet. Uh, yes, I, uh, I I downloaded it and played with it. Uh, it. It's interesting. My first thought was it was just a way for them to make me uh, buy more storage <laughs> uh, because it immediately told me it didn't have enough room on Dropbox for all my photos. Uh. Uh, but uh, and I didn't really, uh, my initial thought was this wasn't really for me. Uh, I don't. I don't really take photos on my iPhone that I want to keep. They're more reference photos. I'm taking pictures of receipts and that sort of thing. 
Uh, but after playing with it a little bit and finding out I can actually also push photos to my iPhone through Dropbox and through Carousel, um, and the ability to share the photos made it very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my mom hooked up on it. She's always asking for photos, and mm -hmm. I think this will be a, an easy way for me to get photos to her and onto her uh, iOS devices. Fair enough. How about you, Darlene? Have you taken a look? Well, I want to download it, and I'm one of those that have I have not upgraded to iOS 7 yet, and it wanted uh. me to do that. And so I haven't backed my phone up yet, so I no, I didn't do that because it wanted me to install iOS 7 first. But I, I watched almost the entire keynote speech. Um, Did you really? Guys, yeah, almost how can, all how can How can anyone talk about one <laughs> app for an hour? Well, I just... They talked about three aspects, actually, because there was Carousel. They also were launching Dropbox Business and Dropbox Mail. Ah, okay. So they had three different sort of components. So I kind of was interested to see what you know what they had to say in terms of Dropbox business because that was actually more interesting to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. So how are you guys using Dropbox now? It sounds like you're both obviously already Dropbox users. Do you use it to store photos? Do you use it to share photos with clients? How does it fit into your workflow? Personally, I don't use it that much, to be honest. Um, sometimes people send me things that way, so I have an account so I can go receive it. Um, mostly, honestly, if I'm going to share something, I'll either, like if it's an image, I'm going to put it on my Zenfolio and give them a password. Um, or if it's something that's small, I'm usually sharing in Google Docs because I just like the interface better and I find that um, I can share all kinds of different file formats. On, I like, I don't know, I guess the interface is, is my thing. Yeah, um, I, use, I use Dropbox quite a bit for documents. Um, I don't store a lot of photos there. Uh, I will occasionally use it to uh, share photos with someone I've done a photo shoot with, but again, I use uh, Zenfolio for that typically. Gotcha. Um, but I like having all my personal documents up there. Sure. Um, and I started using it long before I started using Google Docs, which I, I now do a mixture of those. How about you? Yeah, you know, I actually use it a lot for documents. Um, it, it is basically my documents folder. If you, you know, when you're looking in your OS and you got your home folder and then your documents folder, that my documents folder is Dropbox. So I can go to any iOS device, any computer and easily immediately access everything, pretty much everything. I mean, all of my, um, you know, I've paid for upgraded storage. So all of my documents for pretty much anything you can think of, client related stuff, personal, whatever, going back many, many years is there. And so I love the convenience of that. And it's funny because, you know, when I installed Carousel, it apparently one of the things it does is it scans your Dropbox and just shows every picture in there. I had no idea how many photos I actually had in Dropbox. <laughs> it's going back years and years and years. I'm going, wow, where is all this stuff? I didn't even know this is in there. It's probably taking up space. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I use it for that mostly. I do actually use it to share client images often because uh, I'm a, a SmugMug user and it's easier for clients to just click on one link, a, a, a Dropbox link to download the files, I find, than what they can get through SmugMug. And I really like how if you do present a gallery to somebody in Dropbox, when they go to that web page, there's a little button at the top right that says download as a zip, and it basically zips everything and sends it to them. So I don't mm -hmm. have to provide individual mm -hmm. photos and a zipped archive for them to download. So, so I do like that. But back to Carousel itself, I'm not quite sure how I'll use it. I mean, I do like the ability to share pictures, but then it's a totally closed ecosystem for that. So I'm using um, iCloud for that right now, and you know, PhotoStream and sharing photos with a you know close circle of friends, family, whatever over PhotoStream. And I really like using that for that. I don't see switching to Dropbox for it. 
And since it doesn't integrate with Aperture or iPhoto or Lightroom or anything like that, then it's not really going to be all my photos. I mean, their marketing talks about all the photos in your life, but without touching a photo app, I don't know how they can claim that. Right. Well, I, I couldn't fit all my photos of my life up there. I'm, oh, I'm sure they'd be happy to let you pay for that. Right. Well, even even then, it took uh, nine months to back up my recent uh, photos to the cloud. Um, even at, I think it was a little over a terabyte and a half worth of, of photos. Sure. Uh, so I it would take years to upload them all. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do have uh, Jeremy Cowart uh, about a, a month ago did a post about he has all of his main photos, uh, his all of his keepers uh, that he puts into Dropbox and says that had really helped him uh, because he might be on the road and somebody needed a photo or he always had access to them. Mm. So I started doing that as well with just the, you know, the five star images. And I am, I am liking that right. uh, and can see myself using that some more in the future. Sure, fair enough. So uh, I'm, I'm on Dropbox's website right now because I was curious to see what the upgrade cost was. So they're looking at Pro is nine ninety nine a month, <clears throat> so that's a hundred gigs, uh, which they're saying is twenty thousand photos. But I think, like you said, they're aiming this at the amateur market and and people with phone photos, right? Not right. pros with, you know, really massive files. So I, I can see us filling that and then needing more space, you know. And I like, like you said, the integration with Lightroom would be key for me if I was actually going to use it in any, you know, realistic way to save everything. Um, I, I mean, I use Zenfolio for everything. It's my portfolio. It's it's where I send stuff to transfer files to clients if they need it. Um, but you could do the same thing as, you know, like Craig's doing with this five-star thing on Zenfolio as well and then access them. Because I have unlimited storage there, and I pay like $125 a year, right. and it's, unli it's unlimited. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, the, the carousel thing is is interesting, I think, if you have a group of people that are going to be, you know, that all went to the same event, took photos on their phone, and then they want to share them. Um, but if you have, uh, like you say, your light aperture or uh, Lightroom ones, it's not really it's not really geared for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's a it's interesting for a particular market, but I don't know that it fits into most pro markets. So. But it'll be interesting to see what it evolves into because maybe they'll get feedback from people saying, oh, I wanted to do this now that they're launching it yeah. because it's just been in beta, right? Well, there has there used to be a service, and the name is totally escaping me now, but it was so fantastic that basically did integrate with, uh, it was, well, with Aperture and iPhoto, I'm not sure if it did Lightroom, but it uploaded every single picture to the cloud. And it wasn't just that. It was every picture off of your Facebook, off Google+, off your phone, pretty much and your Flickr, pretty much everything you could think of, you could plug into it. And when it found duplicates, as it obviously would, it could sort through them, figure out which were dupes, and, and only present to you the best, highest resolution option. And you essentially did have, truly did have, every single photo you've ever taken in your life uh, in your pocket. It was phenomenal, and then they went out of business. <laughs> I, I don't know why it was a paid service so it, I mean they, there was a free version but it was a paid service to get a lot of photos and I guess they just never never got the traction which is a shame because it worked really really well but well, well. right well well Dropbox has right that potential to do that so they have the yes. traction already and and the business so well and the storage infrastructure which is key so if they can yeah. manage to expand it out to truly connect to every photo service in your world and really be an aggregate place for all the photos you've ever taken, then that could be a fabulous thing. Right, agree. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys watched the, the keynote, but the beginning part where he talks about the photo 
portion of it, he's actually using a slide carousel, which is where the name comes from, I'm assuming, right, right? and part of the logo for it. Um, so he's pulled out his old photos, and he's actually got the slides up on the screen, right? So, I mean, it's kind of misleading because he's saying, oh, it has all my stuff going back to, you know, 1983. But how are you getting those into the into the app, right? Oh, You're going to have to scan them. stuffing in a Dropbox. Well, but you got to scan them from a slide or, right. you know, whatever the original is. Take a picture of them with your phone. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's actually a problem. I wonder if there's a piece of hardware out for that. That probably would be a, a great, cheap, slide scanning device, just something you could put a slide in, attach your phone to the other end, it's a little mm -hmm. funnel basically, and point it at a light source. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, a phone camera is certainly high enough resolution. Why not? Mm. Huh. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't exist already, marketing idea. Somebody can Maybe. do it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. This one's, uh, this was a bit of a head shaker. So I'm just going to read this headline. Um, it's, it's a doozy. Canon undercutting photographers by offering discount portrait sessions. So basically what the story is here that uh, in a really oddly bad PR move, Canon started setting up, set up photo portrait sessions in their image store, in their image, uh, sorry, image square store in Calgary. So they're one of their flagship stores. People could come in and try out cameras and all that, but they could come in and get a portrait session, a portrait session for really, really cheap. It was basically a 30 minute headshot session for just $29. And while that's an interesting way to try out gear and see what you like, it's also a really, really bad way to undercut the exact same people who you're trying to sell this gear to. So it was a little bit of an odd move, a lot of negative feedback, and they shut it down pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, you guys, what, first of all, do either of you shoot Canon? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so me too. So all three of us, Canon shooters, what the heck were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, they weren't. They, they weren't, right? Well, that's the key point. Did you see the, um, I put a note in the file that there was a the Facebook discussion on this in one of the photo groups that I'm a member of and um, <clears throat> basically people started complaining right away. So the group posted it and then I don't even think it was a day later that they were, they were getting email replies with an apology and uh, I'll read it to you. It says, thank you for your question. Our intention is not to disrupt our valued professional photographer community we are sorry we built canon image square in calgary to provide unique experiences with our product solutions and staff as a result of your feedback we have reevaluated the retail sale of portrait packages based on our review this program does not align with our goals we have immediately suspended this program your opinion matters to us thank you again canon canada um, so some of the discussion that went on after that got posted was, you know, we've suspended it for now, but what's going to happen to it in, in the future? I don't know if you guys remember or not, but Kodak had something similar happen years ago. And I don't know if this was just in Canada or not, but Kodak bought out, um, like, or they were ownership in, like, a, a, a lab that was doing senior portraits. And... Um, there was this big similar uproar around, well, Kodak is now stealing business from the studios that, you know, they're selling film to, right? So it's it was kind of the same thing. And um, I, I think ultimately they ended up getting out of it as well. So, yeah, it's you got to shake your head and go, what were they thinking for sure? Yeah, um, I mean, I, my guess would be that they, they think that they're going to show people how Canon, you know, has, can you can take the photo, you can print it on their printers and and then you want to go buy your own canon gear right they, they were trying to market their their products mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it wasn't I, I don't think they thought it all the way through 
No, I mean, if that's really what they're doing, then just set up the gear and, and let you take a picture. Maybe bring in models or let you put your family member in there and hand, you know, they hand you their camera and the lights are all set up and you can snap a picture and then print it out and see how it mm-hmm. looks. But mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, they're undercutting Sears portraits. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and if you look at their website, they still offer print services, right? So they're talking about using their Pixma Pro, you know, large format printers. But is that not still competing with the labs in the same city? Sure. Yeah, certainly sounds like it. Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't know. Strange point. Kind of hard to well, imagine. Well, it's... And keep, keep in mind that this is going on. This happened in Calgary, which is three hours south of me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder, uh, I mean, it's, it's probably a fairly, uh, you know, there are, what, a few hundred uh, photographers do, do portraits in Calgary? Sure. If, yeah. that, right? So uh, it was only affecting a small number, but the, the out, you know, outrage came from thousands everywhere. and thousands. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Well, because they could have been looking at it as, well, well maybe they're testing this and they're going to do it elsewhere. I mean, the other thing to look at, though, is the, if the people that would be doing these headshot sessions for 30 minutes for $29 um, are probably not the same people that would go hire a professional photographer. Well, maybe, maybe not, but it's kind of silly to put it out there and, and even offer it as an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's even cheaper than Sears. I think you can, I don't think you can go into Sears or if those, if they even do the photo portraits anymore, but any one of these places in the mall, I think you're going to pay mm. more than that to get a, a headshot done. Yeah. So, Yes. It would have been interesting to see examples of what uh, what you were getting out of that. Well, they would have had to have been fantastic, or else Canon wouldn't be doing their goal of trying to show off how good their gear is. Yeah, yeah true. So, they yeah. did have some on the site before, yeah. and I remember the discussion on the Facebook group. Um, I looked for it. I couldn't find it today, but they, they were saying that they weren't that great. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so basically lose-lose all the way around. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Come in for a lousy portrait and pay a cheap amount of money. But yeah, I mean, like the, the biting the hand that feeds, it's kind of like, well, we want to sell our gear to pros, but I mean, really, where is the market for Canon? Like, I think, and Kodak, our Kodak rep told us years ago, this is going back 20 years, that the pro market is such a small percentage for them that, you know, we didn't have a lot of say. And I think that's possibly the case with Canon as well. Like, if you look at their complete line of products, Pro cameras are a very small percentage of that. You know, there's amateur cameras, there's printers, there's all kinds of other, you know, scanners and whatever else they have, right? Sure. I do wonder. I mean, they're obviously they're always at the big trade shows with huge booths and they do sell very, very expensive gear. So it may be a small percentage of products sold, but I would like to think that the, a lot of the margin comes from that. And it's, you know, like flying an airplane, the first class cabin is pretty small, but those tickets are high priced and that pays for most of the plane. Potentially. Uh, I mean, I also worked part-time at a camera store for three years, and the the markup on the camera stuff is the smallest of any items in the store. Like, things like um, tripods, filters, you know, memory cards, those are higher-ticket items and make more profit for a camera store mm-hmm. than does the big-ticket items. So I don't know what, what the case is with Canon. Yeah, interesting. Oh well, it's. I guess we can at least walk away knowing that Canon doesn't is not going to get the worst PR story of the year out of this one. That one's going <laughs> to go to U.S. Airways. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. And yeah, listeners, if you don't <laughs> Google that U.S. Airways bad PR, Tweet. U.S. Airways Twitter, that'll find it. Just don't do it while you're at work. Yeah. Trust me. Actually, scratch okay. it. Forget that I recommended you look at it. Just yeah. don't. 
Don't. <laughs> just, just don't. Who's typing? Who's searching for that? Don't do it. <laughs> All righty, let's move on to story number three here now that I've just gotten myself in trouble for talking about that one. So story number three is about Lens Baby. We know and love Lens Baby. Great little lens add-on or lenses that allow you to kind of selectively defocus parts of your image. Pretty cool product. They've been around for a while and obviously have gained some traction, but they've done something a little bit curious here. They are developing a lens baby for the iPhone, which I think is awesome, but they actually put this on Kickstarter, which is a little bit curious because it's not like they're a startup company, not like they uh, don't have any money in the bank. Well, maybe they don't, I don't know, but it's a little bit curious to see that. So basically they're, they're making this lens. They've got prototypes already. If you go to the Kickstarter page, video about it, lots of sample photos, and they were trying to raise $25,000 to get into tooling. And frankly, 25 grand is nothing to start tooling, so it seems kind of odd that they would do that. Now, they actually do have a reasoning on their website, but it's basically saying, well, we're doing it to see if you guys are really interested in this, which seems like an odd way to release a product, but maybe it works. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I, I mean, I, I do think it uh, it's not a bad way to do market research and see what the demand is going to be for this. Um, now, I agree they probably need more than 25000 for tooling, but they can gauge interest. You know, they got more than what they were asking for. So the, uh, uh, you know, they can say, well, this is a worthwhile product to go pursue. Sure. Yeah, as of this moment, I think there's two weeks left on the fundraising, and they wanted 25000 They're already at thirty-five. So I think it's safe to say that they will uh, they'll get there. Yeah, um, I, I took a look at it, and did, I watched the little video. I can't say that I was impressed, to be honest. I mean, I don't own a lens baby. I've played with them over the years, but I've never, I don't know, it just wasn't really my style. I think if I was doing SLR video and I wanted that sort of miniature look or something like that, then I would have gotten into it. But coming from a portrait wedding background, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of use for it. You know, if I wanted to really do that look, I'm going to go buy a tilt-shift lens, right, um, and invest the big bucks. Or I could potentially do the same type of effect with an action in Photoshop or something. So I don't know. I'm not one to use my phone, like Craig said, for a lot of stuff. I'm not a big Instagram person, and I don't you know, post a million photos on Twitter and use all these apps and stuff. Like, I take some photos on my phone of my cats or whatever you know, we all do, right? <laughs> um, but I, kinda, I can't see spending money on a device that is going to do the lens baby thing. And I didn't even think it looked that good. It looked a little bit cheesy to me. Yeah, the effect is a bit heavy handed, I think. Uh, yeah. And very focused. It's very much a, yeah. there's a very clear area of what's in focus and then it falls off very quickly. So it's almost not quite like a line drawn around the image, but it's very close to it. It's sharp. I was yeah. waiting for them to, to say something about how you could adjust it and they never said anything. Because if you could adjust that fade off, then maybe they would have more application or the amount of blur or something. But because it's a lens, I don't think you have the ability to do that. Well, it is curious because on the for anyone listening who's not familiar with Lens Baby, the whole idea is you have a, a fixed lens in front of the camera that's on a movable kind of rubbery barrel. So you can twist it and push it in different directions, side to side and tilt it and so on. And so you get that type of tilt shift effect that Darlene was talking about, but it's uh, it's much more grungy than that, much more blurry and streaky. And it's it's neat, you know, I mean, it can be fun to play with. It's it's not a everyday lens for sure. But this model, yeah, from what we could see in the, in the video, it is completely and totally fixed. And you can change the center focus point in software, which isn't controlling the physical lens. So all that really tells us is that we're actually zooming in into the sensor quite a bit and 
panning around that way, which kind of mm. seems to lower the quality even more. A little bit odd. Right. I, th I thought using the app to, to focus, uh, to pick the focus spot was kind of strange um, and, and wasn't sure why they didn't make it where you could do that with the lens. And maybe it's just too small. Right? Yeah. The, the lens, maybe you really need to have your, your fingers on the end of the lens to kind of adjust it. And uh, you just, I, I think your hand would get in the way on well, such a small lens or you'd knock it off. Yeah, that and also I think just because the sensor is so small that the tiniest, tiniest movement in the optics would shift it off a huge amount. So it would be mm -hmm. That's a very good point. incredibly yeah. frustrating trying mm -hmm. to focus that point. I remember the first lens baby. I, um, I think I played with it at a trade show in New York like years ago, like maybe I want to say 2005 or so. Um, you're going to have to check the website to see when the first lens baby was made. But there was no sort of freezing point like I know now right. you can lock it and stuff but you actually had to like hold it squeeze this accordion lens thing and tilt it and then hold it yep. and try and focus in and out with it it was actually really hard and so I mean I, I was maybe I got turned off from that experience because although it was fun I never really got anything that was in focus out of it and it was just playing with it at the trade show you know like the rep lent it to me kind of thing for the day and um I just never really got got excited about it. I think if I was like I said, doing video or something, maybe I would. But for seventy bucks, if that's the retail price, I don't think I'm going to rush out and get one. I've got a few things that I've got for my phone, like I have um, a remote trigger that does time lapse and an app that you know to go with it. And I have um, I've looked at. I haven't purchased yet, but there's a thing that you can get that turns your iPhone into a light meter, which is actually really cool. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I have that. Yeah, yeah, that was a Kickstarter project as well. Yeah, oh, I missed that one. How well does it work? Um, it uh, it works reasonably well. Uh, it uh, it it matches my uh, my you know big professional meter huh. uh, as far as measuring light wow. uh, intensity. So yeah, it's not bad. But you have to carry that little piece with you all the time mm. when you want to use it. And I always it's at it's in the wrong bag or it's at a different studio. Mm. Or, right. So. Is that little piece just a dome that goes over the camera lens? It, it, right, it's yeah. a dome that goes over it, and it will it will not work unless you have that dome. Right, the app will say you don't have the dome. Sorry, we can't measure the light. Yeah, so. interesting. See, that's why ladies have purses okay? <laughs> <laughs> to put all our stuff in. Fair enough. Alrighty, let's uh, let's jump into one more ad before we move on here. So the next ad, next person we'd like to thank for this episode of Twip is Audible. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. You can get a free audiobook of your choice at audiblepodcast.com slash twip. Remember, audiobooks are great to listen to when you are hiking, skiing, driving, stuck in traffic, doing chores around the house, doing laundry, whatever. Recently, I was on a road trip and all I listened to for, I want to say, three hours was audiobooks. Remember, for TWIP members or TWIP audience members, Audible is giving away a free audiobook just to give you a chance to try out the service so you too can commute and listen to audiobooks. And one audiobook I'm listening to right now, as a matter of fact, uh, just earlier today, was The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. It's a great book that just talks about and breaks down how Steve did his magic on the stage at Macworld and other places. It's a fascinating listen. You should definitely listen 
listen to it, even if you don't give presentations regularly, gives you a look into how these master showmen are able to present, present information in a form that makes you feel like listening to it. So you can download that audiobook or any of the other ones in the Audible library for free. Just head over to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. That's audiblepodcast.com slash twip. And I'd like to personally thank audible.com for their support of This Week in Photo. All righty, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer a question that's been in the top of some of our listeners' minds. And here's a question by Jeff Harmon from our Google Plus community page. So I'll read the question here and get your guys' response to it, and I actually uh, have an answer of my own here, but let's see what you guys think. So here's the question. I did a little bit of light painting this past weekend and didn't really like the results with the cheap flashlight I had with me. Do you have a recommendation on a good LED flashlight that would help me do a better job of adding light on some of the landscape scenes at night under long exposure? Darlene, you want to take a crack at this one first? Um, yeah, I do quite a bit of light painting and I teach uh, night class. I don't get into doing sort of really high powered stuff. Um, most of my students are, are amateurs and they don't want to spend, you know, I don't even know how much that flashlight is you suggested. It's got to be a couple hundred bucks, right? Um, I just suggest they use one. I don't even know where you can get it, but it's called a mag light. It's, it's available at your, your hardware store pretty much anywhere. And I think I paid $35 for a set of two, a big one and a small one. You can typically get them in incandescent or LED. <clears throat> so depending on, um, LEDs are typically not as bright as the incandescent. So maybe that's his first tip is to get an incandescent one. Um, I also recommend getting one that focuses the beam or allows you to focus so that you can go wide beam or narrow beam and then really control where you want to put the light. Fair enough. Craig, any input on this one? Uh, well, I I uh, just use typically a mag light, but I did talk to a friend of mine who does a lot of light painting, uh, Andy Morris over at photoshopscaresme.com. Uh, he teaches, <laughs> Great he, website. Has, he has that tutorial uh, tutorials on how to do light painting and he does a lot of workshops on it and he recommended several things uh, one was just a uh, young no uh, y-o-n-g-n-u-o uh, led video and studio light it's one of those ones that has 160 leds on it uh, and he says that uh, it can light up a very very large area he used it to light up six radio telescopes down in new mexico Wow. Um, it's not really all that bright, but it's a very uniform, uh, gives, you know, very uniform uh, coverage of the area. Um, then he also recommended if you want to have one that's more of a spotlight, uh, it was a 3800 lumen, uh, one by Cree, called the Cree XML. And I'll put these in the show notes. Uh, that uh, will do, he said, you can light, you know, a mile away. Uh, you can light up the landscapes and that sort of thing. Very cool. Right on. Well, I had, had just read a story this morning, and if you guys haven't seen this story, it was on Petapixel, and it's about how some Russian photographers took photos of a car on a frozen lake by lighting the lake from underneath. They basically cut a hole in the ice and stuck a light underneath. And mm -hmm. in setting up for this shot, they had to you know find a light that was waterproof and bright enough. And low budget, and they found this light by a company called Magic Shine. As the model is the MJ810E, if you want to Google that, we'll put it in the show notes as well, that is a whopping 1,000 lumens and waterproof. And that 1,000 lumens is a lot of light. Now, it's kind of hard to imagine a tiny little LED flashlight putting out 1,000 lumens. That is just absolutely blinding. But that's what the marketing claim is. And if you look at the photos, 
on Petapixel of this um, these car photos on the ice, you'll see a heck of a lot of light coming from underneath that car. So pretty impressive. So if you're looking for that, and that is under $100, Google that and you'll find it's not expensive. Um, so give it a try. The mag lights that you were talking about, uh, Darlene, I'm, I looked on their website and the brightest one is only 134 lumens. So that's a uh, major, major difference. Yeah. I think it has to do with, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the thing with the car now that's amazing, really cool. I think it has to do with two things, how far away you are from what you want to light up, right? And I think you could do just about anything with a lesser powered light. So it depends on your budget, right? If you if you have a commercial photography budget and you want to spend a few hundred bucks on a on a thing like this, you know, go for it because you'll be able to do it with less time, right? The the less power you have in your flashlight just means you have to paint for longer. That's all. Right. Fair enough. Right on. Well, so there you go. The answer to our question, Jeff, hopefully that helped you out. Lots of different options to choose from, various budgets and various brightnesses. And if you do pick up one of those magic shine lights, we'd love to hear about it. Is it really a thousand lumens? That's, that's a lot of light. I don't know. All right, let's move on to our picks of the week. So this is where we get the, the pick of the week segment where you can pick out anything you like as long as it's photography related. So Craig, why don't you go first? All right. Uh, mine is an iOS uh, uh, app. Um, it's called Folio Book, and it is a way to create a, for, a portfolio on the iPad. Uh, when I was at PhotoFest, uh, I needed to show my portfolio to a lot of different people, and I was just using the the photo, um, uh, the, the what comes with the iOS, to have, and I had different folders for all my photos, and sometime during the, the week, the order of them changed. And when wow. you're showing a body of work, you want to have, right, that you want to present them in a certain order. And someone there suggested this uh, app called Folio Book, and where you can, you, you basically almost build it, it looks like a portfolio website. Uh, you can have uh, different categories, you click on them, it presents very, uh, very nice. It's a very nice user experience. Uh, it's very quick to use. I was in 15 minutes between two sessions. I was able to take all my photos, put it into this folio book, and create a really nice-looking presentation for them. Um, it's a little, little more than I would normally spend for an app. I think it was $9, uh, but well worth it. Awesome. I'm looking at it right now. Looks like uh, maybe you got it on sale. Looks like it's $12.99 right now, but it still looks like a pretty cool app. Appears to connect to Dropbox and all kinds of other services. You can play it, It's very in. powerful. I'm I'm only using just a, a little bit of the features, but they actually have where you can publish once you get it all how you like on the iPad. You can actually pu publish it as a website. Oh wow! And where is that hosted? Uh, I do not know. I haven't I haven't used that feature. Interesting. Very cool. Yet. For only four ninety nine a month, we'll host it for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, it's using just the photos app on your iPad. It's you don't have any way to change the order. So you know you're talking about them to suddenly shifting out of order. Yeah, that can happen oddly, but you can't control the order at all. So right. well, um, you I, I have been able to when I sync to my PC. If you t go and actually, I have a program to modify the dates, and I can get them in the order I want them in <laughs> on that initial sync. Right. But then if it syncs any other time later, it may mess them up. Uh, yeah. So. No good. Yeah, definitely using the Photos app is not a tool. Well, this sounds pretty cool. So uh, a folio book on the App Store. We'll obviously have that in the show notes. So go ahead and check that out. F-O-L-I-O-B-O-O-K. If you just search for it in the App Store, you'll find it right away. Right. All right, Darlene, what about you? 
Um, I got a couple. I've got, um, these are both things that I just heard about sort of new, one, one is a new release. Um, Western Digital came out with this, I think a couple of weeks ago. It's their new My Passport Pro portable hard drive, but it's Thunderbolt mm -hmm. and it has a RAID built in, so it's redundant. Um, they have a two terabyte one and a four terabyte one, and the prices on Amazon was like, Two ninety nine and four ninety nine or something, so it wasn't even crazy. So for a Thunderbolt four terabyte drive on the go, I mean that that would be sort of you know two times two, right, um, of storage. You could go on the road for a long time before you fill that puppy. Very nice. So that's pick number one, and number two is a backpack. I, I like bags. I like counter <laughs> bags. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, I have like five or six bags and. I should probably get rid of some, but I just like them so much. Um, <laughs> this one is made by a company called MindShift, which I just found out about recently. And um, they make a bag called the Rotation 180 Panorama. It's similar to the Think Tank one, but based on the specs, it weighs a lot less. I've seen the Think Tank one, and it's really kind of heavy and clunky. Mm -hmm. uh, the concept is that it's a backpack, but when you put it on your back, the bottom part separates out and rotates around to the front. So it kind of becomes like a little waist pack thing. So you can have your camera gear coming around to the front so you can change your lenses, which is also handy because then you don't have to put your camera down or your lens down somewhere. You can just switch lenses and then you can rotate it back into the bag if you want. So um, that's those are both on my wish list. Very cool. Right on, excellent. Couple of great picks there. All right, my turn. Mine is something called the LumoPro 5-in-1 light panel kit. And this is something that I saw at WPPI. Uh, it was one of those things you walk by it and you kind of pause and think, wait a minute, what was that thing? Back up and take a look at it. And basically, when it's compacted, it comes in a, a nice little stand that's about the size of a light stand in a bag. And you open it up and you have a set of fiberglass rods that spread out to hold a light panel, a diffusion panel that is, I believe, three or four foot by six foot. It's, it's pretty significant in size. And it comes with a variety of panels that you can pop into there. And the, the main one that I would use it for is just a diffusion panel, shining light through it, but it also has a, a silver reflector, a gold reflector, and then a black panel you can use as a gobo. It's, uh, well, let's see, it's 130 retail right now at Midwest Photo Exchange. I think I got it for under 100 at the show, but uh, if you're going to a trade show sometime soon, take a look for that. But it is a great, just lightweight, very portable or easy to use in the studio kit. So it's it comes with the four different panels. It comes with its own miniature kind of hybrid light stand dealy with a type of a kind of a ball head on it of sorts. So you can angle it and tilt it around. It's uh, it's a great, great little gadget to add into the studio. Not so little. Oh, oh. 40, 40 by 72 inch panels. There we go. Oh. So pretty cool. You know, nice, that remind, right? you know what that reminds me of? I don't know if either of you guys have been doing this as long as I have, but um, it reminds me of, I want to say, like early 90s when they had those foldable PVC panels with the bungee cord in the middle. Did you guys mm -hmm. remember those? Mm -hmm. Where you could right. fold, fold it up, right? So it would just pop open and make this, you know, four by six panel and then stretch your ripstop nylon across. That's that what that reminds me of. Neat. Well, I just ordered one. Just now, <laughs> just yes. like that. Yeah, just like <laughs> so, done. There you go. That was easy. Well, excellent. I will uh, collect a commission later. What else have you got? What else have you got to sell them? <laughs> yeah, really. I know that's yeah, a problem. No, with no, these that's shows. it. That's all I. That's all I, the budget I have. Yeah, isn't that the problem with these shows? Like every one you got. Oh, oh, I need that. Yes, I think I will. That was the problem with working in the camera store because oh. all the new stuff comes in. It's like, oh, I want that bag. Oh, I need that lens. Oh, that's a cool gadget. It's like, it can get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
Alrighty, well, folks, that brings our show to a close. So if, uh, if everybody would like to tell us where we can hear from you, where the people can keep up with you, rather, Craig, go ahead. All right, uh, my website, uh, craigcolvinphotography.com, and that has uh, links on it to all my other social uh, presence, uh, Google+, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and all of that. So that's craigcolvinphotography.com. Awesome. Darlene? Well, my name's too hard to spell, so I went with uh, digitalphotomentor.com, so you can find out about um, me, my tours, uh, I've got an online class, and I do regular blogging and free articles. I try to do one once, once, a, once a week with a tip of some kind. You can find me on Twitter, DP Mentor, and Google Plus is Plus Darlene Hildebrandt. Excellent. And my last name is just as hard, if not harder, to spell than yours. So my website is not josephlanashke.com. Actually, it is, but there's that too. But mine is photojoseph.com. You can find me, photojoseph, on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, on the Instagrams, and everywhere else. And also, of course, apertureexpert.com. And just a little plug for a story there. If we have any photo mechanic listeners that are on the show today, be sure to check out the articles that ran last week. We did a big speed test with Jeff Cable, who's an Olympic photographer, and compared photo mechanic to aperture. We found an interesting workflow that made aperture insanely faster. So if you are running up against deadlines, if you have 14 minutes between hockey periods to edit and upload photos to your client, then you might want to check out that article and see how just how much faster aperture can really be. So that's it. That brings our show to a close. Thanks again to Squarespace and to Audible for sponsoring the show. Be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com, or if you want to touch base with Frederick Van Johnson, you can find him at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.